Well, good morning, One Church. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Thank you so much for making the move with us here to the movie theater. And I just want to give out a huge shout out to our fantastic team of volunteers who helped made this move possible. If you could just give a hand for yourself. OMG. Oh my gosh. Telling you what. Uh, how many of y'all have ever moved before? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's all of us. Now, here's one of the things that you know that we have discovered is anytime you make a move, it gets a little crazy. It gets a little messy. It does. Um, and uh, that's what we've been kind of living with for the past couple of weeks. We didn't do church last week. We actually did it online. But we were actually here, our staff, or some of our volunteers were here, kind of getting some of the kinks out. And we still have some more kinks to get out because we always want to do a better job creating churches that unchurched people love to attend. Um, but as we're kind of doing this and kind of working through this, we just found out that we got stuff everywhere and we were trying to, okay, what's broken, what's busted, what do we need to repair, all this stuff. And you know what I'm talking about for those who raise your hand for move, because when you move that couch that's been there for nine years, um, yeah, I mean, you see some stuff behind it. You see some dust bunnies. Anybody know what a dust bunny is? I don't know what y'all call it where you're from, but we call it dust bunnies here in the south. Um, or you find that you found that you find that small cat that passed away about eight years ago. Um, uh, maybe that's a dust bunny. I'm not sure. I mean, there's just kind of trash everywhere. You see the indentions, like oh my gosh, and people are usually helping you move. So then you're embarrassed, right? That you got oh, and you look like you've never cleaned, and I know you have, uh, and, and you know that you have. So uh, we're kind of getting through this mess, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this this mess because moving is messy. But when we started one church nine years ago. Let me give you some trivia here. We actually had our very first preview service nine years ago this weekend. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm getting a message from God. Wait a minute. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, we actually started uh, the, doing services nine years ago this weekend. That's really, really cool. And the whole reason we started one church is we wanted to start a church for messy people. You know, uh, growing up, and, and again, I don't know, again, how your, how your religious background does or anything like that, but, you know, so many times we wanted to start a church for people who didn't know all the songs, people who didn't know all the stories. People were just kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. And what was so crazy about that is if you think about it and y'all have heard me talk about this before 88% of people in Clarksville they don't go to church anywhere 88% of people in Clarksville don't do not go to church anywhere so we wanted to start a church for people who don't go to church and and try to lure them in getting them to come to church and we started in the movie theater and uh, man I tell you it was a great year that we were here uh, popcorn was great and you could I mean people would leave church and they could say hey uh, why don't we go see Independence Day by the way I've heard it's not good so don't waste your money um, but uh, but I mean you could go see other movies it was just it was just really really cool so that's the reason why we started this and why we started this nine years ago and today what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about messes. I want to talk messes because when we started this church, we started this church for people who are a hot mess. How many of y'all, you would say you're a hot mess? Let me see. All right, some of y'all, let me see. You ask that in the, in the average church, no hands would go up, right? But I mean, we're here at one church, we're real. Let me give you some background on where the word hot mess comes from. 
The word hot mess is actually a 19th century term, and it's used, it was used to describe food in a mess hall. That you would go and you would get a mess and it would be a hot mess. So that's what it was uh, described back in the in the 19th century. In the 20th century, uh, that actually two words involved into something else, and it involved into a, um, again more of a military term, but where you would get into a fighting or a conflict and it would be a difficult situation, and somebody would say, "Wow, they've gotten themselves into a what?" Hot mess, exactly right. So, now in the 21st century, with the evolution of the word hot, uh, by the way, if you're a guy, if you want to date a girl, never call her hot. I'm going to just go ahead and be honest with you, okay? She, she doesn't want to be like a piece of meat, all right? So, for those single people here, let me give you a couple of words of encouragement, all right? So, but for the rest of us, you know, who are married and you're like, I put a ring on it, bam, right? Whatever it is, all right? So, uh, the word hot mess has a different connotation, and it's this connotation right here. It's the connotation that somebody is an attractive disaster, an attractive disaster, right? Somebody whose life is in obvious disarray, and yet they remain somewhat functional, somewhat functional in certain ways. And, and again, I think all of us have been there, right? All of us have been at one time a hot mess, um, where you had some areas of our life going very, very well, and other areas were just in total disarray. And again, maybe one of the reasons why you normally don't like church, maybe the reason why you don't come to church is you seems like everybody's happier than you. I can assure you, look to your left, look to your right, we, have a, we are filled with a whole bunch of rows and rows of hot messes. Because we've all got messes going on in some area of our life, but we just clean up good. That's kind of the definition of a hot mess, right? There are all kinds of hot messes. There's a financial hot messes we get ourselves into, where uh, financially just uh, either you overspend or maybe you got cut from the job or uh, times were tough and you had to, you could not make ends meet and you had to like rebudget some items. Those are some financial hot messes that all of us can get into. Other hot messes we get into, maybe uh, you, uh, you're, you're having a family mess. Don't raise your hands, but some of you, you're in the midst of family messes right now. Some of you, you married a hot mess. Right? Again, please don't raise your hands. Alright? Uh, in fact, here's the thing. You were warned. Like the three girlfriends kind of pulled you aside, the previous girlfriends, and said, listen, you don't want, you don't want to do this. And you're like, no, no, no. I can fix him. Let me tell you. You fix a dog, you don't fix a person. Alright? Uh, and some of y'all, y'all need to, y'all, y'all need to tweet that. Alright? Because some of you, if you if you are if you are wanting to marry somebody to change them, then that is never ever going to work. You will be the one that's changed. Some of you, again, you married into a mess. You married into a family that was just a mess, and you were like, "Hey, what if I got to meet the parents?" And you're like, "Uh, maybe never," um, because your parents were just a little, you know, they were just a little bit of a hot mess, right? Some of you, you're here today, and you maybe you moved in with a mess, and 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 and. Somebody said, hey, don't move, but you moved in anyway, and you moved in with a mess, and you don't know if that mess is because you moved in or because that person was a mess before. You just don't know. Now, some of you are dating a mess, and you're trying to figure out, should I let this thing go on? Some of you are, 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 are betting. <laughs> this is interesting. Some of you are being parented by people uh, uh, who are messes. 
Uh, again, if you're a child in here or a kid in here, please don't raise your hand. Some of you, if you're a parent, you are parenting a mess. In fact, one of the things you love, the reason why we do church, is because your kids are elsewhere. It gives you an hour and five-minute break from them, right? Because you are parenting a mess. And maybe, or maybe, just maybe, you're in a season of life where you're in between messes, right? I mean, you had a mess six months ago, but you got everything died down, and you're like, <sighs> Right? But you know what? That means you're only one dumb decision away from being a hot mess again, right? It's just, that's just a fact. We kind of move from hot mess to hot mess. And the one thing that we all have in common, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in the Bible or not, is that life is just messy. It's just messy. Here's some good news I think all of us need because all of us need some good news because we're all hot messes. Here's the good news. There's always someone whose life is a bigger mess than yours, right? That's kind of not good news. That's kind of mean, isn't it? But there always, the reality is we can always look at the person to the left and to the right and go, well, I'm not as bad as they are, you know what I mean? Um, so we can always find somebody else whose life is a worse mess than ours. But let me actually give you some good news. Because really the good news about our messy lives is that mess is what brings us together today. Mess is what brings us together today. It just is. You know, what I like about that is because the reason why we're here today at church, and some of you, have you're here for the very first time, is because your life is a little bit of cacophony. Uh, I.e., if I could translate that, hot mess. It's just a little bit nuts. Uh, and, and I think that what, what differentiates Christians from so many other different religions is that Christians believe that the mess that brings us together is the mess that brought God near. Is the mess that brought God near. You see, I love that because the mess that brings us together to you and I today is also the mess that brings Jesus near. For God so loved the mess. For God so loved the messy world, for God so loved messy people of the world, red, yellow, black, and white, we are all messy in his sight, right? I mean, all the citizens of the world that the gospel of God is all about, us being messy people, and God coming into our mess and rescuing us from our mess. So Jesus showed up. And one of the reasons that people didn't recognize Jesus is that Jesus loved hanging out, get this, with messy people. That should give you and I encouragement today, right? Because Jesus, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week when we start this at the movies. We're going to be looking at Finding Nemo next week. Uh, and we're going to be all, we're all going to discover that we have a father, a heavenly father, that, that pursues us and wants to rescue us. So, and then we're all going to watch Finding Dory afterwards. But what's going to be interesting about this next week that we're going to learn is that Jesus was the most holy, righteous, godly person in the world. He liked hanging out with the most, most unholy, the most ungodly, and the most unrighteous people. He loved hanging out, we're going to look at next week, at notorious sinners, peoples whose lives were a hot mess. So today... I want to just show you an example of how Jesus moved toward the messes. And as we're going to see Jesus move toward the messes, then maybe you and I, the church, should move towards messy people as well. Because let's be honest, when you become a Christ follower in church, many times we want to flee messy people, but that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to enter into the mess with other people. 
So, this is where we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and this is what God's Word has to say. When Jesus came to the region of, what does it say? Caesarea Philippi. By the way, this is the first time I've seen these. And nobody can ever complain that they can't see God's Word ever again. That is huge. That's like a billboard. Okay. All right. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and we're going to see that this location is very important to us here in a minute, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's saying, what are people talking? What are people saying about me? By the way, some of you, you ought to try that at work. Go in tomorrow morning and say, hey, by the way, who do people say that Matt Langer is? Right? And, and you might get an earful. Who do people say uh, that whatever your name is, and you can just put it in there. Who do people say that I am? And you might get some fun stuff from your coworkers. So Jesus says, I know people are talking. What are they saying? And here's what his disciples, the 12, answered. Some say you are John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So people are saying a lot of things. Uh, But Jesus presses this further, and Jesus asks the most important question ever asked. By the way, this question that he asked, this is going to be a question that you and I are going to be asked one day. One day, when we're ushered into eternity, you're going to be asked this question, and here it simply is. But he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Stop right there. Who do you say that Jesus is today? Because the answer to that question is the most important question you can ever ask. Who is Jesus? Simon Peter answered, You are the, Mes- the Messiah. In the, in the Hebrew is the Mashiach. The Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Simon, son of Jonah, You are blessed. No human revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed it to you. So in verse 18, Peter, he steps up and he answers. Jesus asks the question, okay, I hear what other people are talking, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, he has usually, Peter has a big mouth. How many of y'all, you would say, I have a, not me, but you have a, don't, don't do that. So, how many of you say I, I, that you would have a big mouth? Let me see your hands. All right. All right. Okay. I understand that. I, I would have to say that as well. All right. Um, how many of your mouth has ever gotten you into trouble? Let me see your hands. All right. Oh, yeah, sure. Thank you for confessing in church today. Right? So, because uh, our mouths, I tell you, can get us into trouble. And Peter was no different. In fact, Peter was always opening, opening his mouth and then getting himself in trouble. But it's in this point right here, Peter opens his mouth, and he ushered one of the most incredible statements ever recorded in the history of the world. And this is what Jesus responds with, verse 18. You are Peter, and I can guarantee that on this rock, and Jesus is kind of making a play on words here because the word Peter is the word Petra, and Petra is the word for rock. So what he's saying is, upon this rock, referring to the statement that Peter makes. Not so much Peter is the rock, but the statement that Peter makes that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Jesus said 2,000 years ago that he would build his church and Jesus is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus promised to build his church and nothing would ever be able to come against it. And you think about it. Over the past 2,000 years, what is an organization that has lasted over 2,000 years? Not much. I I can't think of any nation that has lasted over 2,000 years. I mean, Jesus is kind of in the middle of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire has ceased to exist 2,000 years later. So what's amazing about this statement is that the church gets started basically by Peter's statement here. And for the next 2,000 years, the church, the big C, capital C church, has flourished. And now let's just look at some of the companies over the past years that has folded. That everybody thought, man, they're always, TWA Airlines. Anybody remember TWA? Uh, started by Howard Hughes. My father used to work for TWA, and uh, they no longer exist. In fact, my father used to work for Ozark Airlines. Anybody remember Ozark? Uh, they don't exist anymore either. Um, it's like, I think there's a pattern for my dad. So if you want your dad to work for your business and put it under, he, he he's available. So anyway, um, uh, so he worked for Ozark, and then he worked for TWA, and then American bought him out, and then USA bought out him. I mean, it's just kind of crazy, right? How many of y'all remember Blockbuster Video? I still got a $20 gift card to Blockbuster Video. And I, right now, I will sell it to somebody for a penny. So, uh, because it is worthless, right? Blockbuster Video is no longer, right? How many of y'all remember, uh, Borders Books? I love Borders Books. I can't find a Borders Books anywhere. Anybody remember when there the used to be bookstores? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Uh, what about Circuit City? Best Buy put them out of business, right? Montgomery Ward, I'm going way back now. Anybody remember Monkey Wards? I totally remember Montgomery Wards. Totally remember that. Uh, Enron? Everybody's like, oh, and they had such cool slogans and logos. Enron is gone. All right? I mean, these companies had great slogans, great futures, and they're gone. And somehow, the church has not only survived, but the church has thrived over the past 2,000 years. So much that we have over 2.3 billion Christians living in the world today. So that leads me to our big idea, and then we're going to go back and look at a verse. Here's our big idea. Our big idea simply is that Jesus always moves towards the mess. Jesus always moved towards the mess. And where I get this is from back, we're going to go back to verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of where? Caesarea, what? Philippi. Now, anytime the Bible mentions a specific geographical region, it is always important. When I went to Israel back in 1997, I actually went to Caesarea Philippi, and it's an amazing adventure for me. We stood and we read this text from Matthew chapter 16 on the site. In fact, let me just kind of show you a map. Here's a map uh, of, uh, the, of the nation uh, Israel. And Jerusalem, of course, is down here to the left. And Caesarea Philippi is all the way up north. In fact, this is an interesting fact. The farthest north that Jesus ever traveled was Caesarea Philippi. So, Jesus made this 126 mile, about a week long journey from Jerusalem 
the center of religion, the center of Judaism, the, where the temple is at, all the religious people, all the good people, all the people who were kind of like just good people, kind of perfect people. They kind of thought they were perfect. He left the perfect people and he went up to Caesarea Philippi to the people that we're going to see who were just a little bit of a hot mess. They were a little bit, a little bit crazy. He left the seat of religion and he moved up to north to Caesarea Philippi. Let me just kind of give you some interesting facts of Caesarea Philippi. Now, if Jerusalem was religious, Caesarea Philippi was the exact opposite. Caesarea Philippi was considered to be a pagan, unbelieving territory. Um, Caesarea Philippi was considered to be on the other side of the tracks, if you will. It was, like I said, it's the farthest north that Jesus ever traveled. And what's so interesting about this, if you were a Jew, you would never go to Caesarea Philippi because just going into this town, you would be considered unclean. Why? Because there were so many jacked up, messed up, Jerry Springer looking people there that it just gets a little strange in fact i can't i can't even share with you a lot of this stuff today uh, you're gonna have to read my notes because i'm just gonna get red in the face some of the jacked up stuff that they did there i'll try to go some but i want to just i'm not gonna go all out i'll get fired so i don't want to do that so let me explain to you some pictures here's some pictures of accessory of philippi some pictures that i took and i think patrick fowler took this is um these holes keep it right there these holes uh in the in the wall uh, they would actually put idols in. And I'm going to tell you what idol uh, they worship there. But over to the left, there's this big entrance to the cave. You can keep on going, kind of walk through there. We, we see that there is an entrance to a massive cave here at Caesarea Philippi. And one of the things, this is one of the three uh, starting points for the River Jordan. Uh, one here is here at Caesarea Philippi, the other one is at Dan, and the other one is off of Mount Hermon. And this water is coming out of the cave at Caesarea Philippi. And here's interesting. This, uh, this cave was, it was superstitious. People thought that this was a gateway to the underworld. That this was a gateway to hell. Now, put that in perspective of what Jesus said. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says this, he utters this here at this cave where it, it, supposedly the, the underworld, or one of the entrances to the underworld. And here's another word. I, I talked about these little um, these niches in the rocks that they would put idols. Caesarea Philippi is known by another name today. In fact, if you Google it, you probably wouldn't come up with Caesarea Philippi on Google Maps. Uh, you would come up with another name, and it's Pontius, P-A-N-I-A-S. In fact, the, the first three letters of that name is Pan. The God that they worshipped was the God Pan. In fact, I think we have a picture of Pan. Uh, there he is. He is a he is a half human, half goat. And um, and let me tell you again how they worshipped the God Pan is they were intimate with goats at Caesarea Philippi. And I told you it's Jerry Springer stuff, didn't I? So crazy, crazy stuff. So you got some messed up, jacked up smut going on at Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus leaves Jerusalem, the center of the religious location, and he goes to Caesarea Philippi where they utter this statement that you are the Christ, the Son 
of the living God. And I love that. In fact, this whole gates of hell, I want to tease that out a little bit more. There was a guy, uh, by the, a, a British evangelist by the name of C.T. Studd. And I think he's amazing just because of his last name. Right? If your last name is that, you go, you a good go. Now, um, he was a, he was a wealthy, a nationally famous athlete that put his professional athletic career aside and the Olympics aside and he disappeared into the mission field of China, of India, and then Africa. Uh, he, he was lost from sight and not heard from for over 13 years. And why would a guy give up all of his money, all of his fame, all of his athleticism, all of that, for God? The answer is found in his most famous quote. And this is what he says. Some wish to stay within the sound of church or chapel bells. I'd rather run a rescue shop a yard from the gates of hell. What C.T. Stubb was saying is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we should not stay comfortable in the sound of chapel bells and church bells, but that we as Christ followers, where it gets exciting for us is when we run towards the messes, when we choose, okay, I'm going to, where's hell at? I'm going to go a yard from it, and I'm going to set up a stand. I'm going to tell people about Jesus Christ. You see, that's what we're called to do. And I'm just going to challenge you here today. If you're here today, and if this is, you know, if like Christianity has become boring to you, here's one thing I can promise you. The reason why Christianity has become boring to you is because you have chose to, to elevate comfortable, comfortable uh, being comfortable over, over, over moving towards the messes. In fact, on version, there's a great study that I would encourage you to be able to go. It's a seven-day devotional study, and it's called Move Towards the Mess. And this whole idea is if you're experiencing boredom from Christianity, the reason why is because you have run away from the mess, not moving towards it. Because Jesus always moved towards the mess. This is how Jesus kind of described his mission and his, uh, uh, his outlook on life in Luke 19.10. He says this, For the Son of Man came to save, seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus left the found in Jerusalem, the people who had it all together, and Jesus ran to the messes. Why? Because Jesus is not afraid of your mess. If you're here today and you are a hot mess, you need to know that Jesus is not afraid of your mess. That Jesus can use your mess. He can be show up in the midst of your mess and give you hope. And I love that. I love that because Jesus never walked away from messes. He ran towards them. And we, as a, as a church, we must always gravitate towards the messes. One of the things I love talking about a church, and the one word I use to describe our church, is messy. It's messy. And the reason why it's messy is because all of us are real. The reason why I love this church so much is because all of us, yeah, we clean up good on Sunday morning, but we all got a history, right? We've all got that spring break. We all got that time where we just kind of went a little bit off the reservation. And everybody said, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. And we did it anyway because we're just real. And I think we should all take some encouragement for that. That Jesus walked away from the found and to move towards the lost and the mess. Show me a Bible hero who wasn't a mess. Think about it. 
Show me a Bible hero. That, I mean, every person in the Bible other than Jesus was jacked up. Do you know that? I mean, what about Moses? He killed a man. He had an anger problem, right? I mean, he, I mean, he just—he had a lot of issues. What about Abraham? Abraham, he, he had a lying problem, and he tried pimping out his own wife. Don't believe me? Read the Bible, all right? Some messed up stuff. He had a cussing problem. Paul, uh, he was a murderer, and he was a terrorist. Isaiah, he had a problem with his mouth and cussing. I mean, all these people had issues. Jesus Christ isn't afraid of your mess. He isn't afraid of your irreligious mess. He isn't afraid of your religious mess. He moved towards your messes, and he's not afraid of your mess. And here's the thing. Uh, My challenge for us as we close today is what type of church are you and I going to be? What type of church are you and I going to be? Are we going to be a church that continues to run towards and move towards the messes? Or are we going to be a church that says, you know what, we're just going to exist for us? We're gonna, we're just gonna exist for us and we're going to go deep on Sunday morning and we're gonna, we're gonna do all of this stuff where we're happy and as long as we're happy, I mean, heck with everybody else. No, no, no. That's, that's not what Jesus did. He just didn't hang out with the, the religious people in Jerusalem. He moved, he literally walked 126 miles towards a huge mess. And it's on that top of that mess, on top of that mess, that he says, you know what? Upon this statement that Peter said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not come against it. Now, again, one of the things I love about this whole gates of hell thing, gates of hell, we usually think it's the hell that's attacking the church. In fact, that's one of the biggest issues, and one of the things that I think churches have, I mean, they want to keep all the bad people out. We want to keep all the influence out, culture out. And how many of you grew up in churches like that? I did. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, uh, you couldn't smoke, you couldn't chew, you couldn't go with girls to do, right? You, you couldn't, you couldn't play cards. They were from Diablo, right? Um, by the way, let me translate that. That's Diablo. That's the devil. Um, uh, thanks for coming to one church. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't do like mixed swimming. I mean, this was back in the seventies. I'm old, right? You couldn't. I mean, you couldn't dance. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, none of that stuff, right? Because they thought, you know what, if you allow that stuff in, then the, the church will cave. Let me tell you, that's not what this verse is saying at all. It's not that hell is trying to beat on our doors to get in. Let me tell you what a gate is. See, what a gate is, is a gate is a part of a city. And it was, a gate is, is not an offensive structure. It is a defensive structure. You see, when you go even into Jerusalem today, today, you have the gate of Jaffa. And you walk through that, and basically it's a breach in the wall. And, and, what, and that's a problem. If you have a breach in the wall, you've got to gate it up, right? Well, if you talk about the, the gates of hell, it doesn't mean that the, hell is attacking the church. It means that the church is attacking hell. It's the church that's going out and making a difference. It's what C.T. Studd says. You know what? We're not going to live within the chapel bells. We're going to live a yard from the gates of hell. So my challenge for us today as a church is let's just don't be, let's don't get bored. Let's don't become boring. Let's just don't sit there with our arms crossed and think, you know what? Um, what can you do to impress me, pastor? Let's say, let's say you know what? I'm going to get in God's word for myself. And then I'm going to go after people who are far from God, who are absolute hot messes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your love.
We thank you so much, God, that all of us in here today, Lord, that we are all shades of, of messes in here. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have called us all, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, for our mess. He entered our mess. He came into this messy world. And Lord, he wasn't afraid to get messy himself, to get our mess onto him. In fact, all of our mess was dumped onto him when he was on the cross. So Lord, I just pray. I pray for all of us here today. Lord, I pray for those people who feel like that they are so far away from God that God cannot save them, that God can't clean them off. Lord, I pray that they would be able to realize today, Lord, that Jesus came for them and no one is too messed up to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.